Welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Your host for the program is Bonnie D. Graham. This program will help set up your business for the future with topics centered on the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. We'll focus on case studies and leading practices designed to move you to the next level. Now, here is Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy to be here. Where else would I be on a wonderful Friday morning? This is the Kinetic Enterprise presented by Deloitte. We're live on the Voice America Business Channel. And I have to tell you, we have a really, really, really hot topic for you today. I've never said that on the show before. But before I introduce the opening, before I introduce the guests, I want to tell you we're talking about conquering disruption with a built to evolve supply chain. It is now part of everyday, everyone's vocabulary. We're going to talk about that. And I have to also tell you that Deloitte has been recognized by SAP as the number one global partner. Follow Deloitte on Twitter at Deloitte SAP. I know you can all spell that. So let me start out with a little overview and then we'll have our three esteemed guests introduce themselves. The rules for supply chains keep changing. I think that's a very tepid statement compared to what's really happening in the real world. As forces such as customer demand, pricing pressures, and here we go, shipping bottlenecks bring nonstop disruption. How can you forge a more flexible and disruption-ready supply chain with intelligent technologies and the cloud? Well, that's some powerful thoughts in there. Listen today as Deloitte supply chain transformation leaders discuss the imperative of a future-facing kinetic supply chain supported by cohesive digital capabilities across planning, procurement, distribution, and operations. I think we covered it all there. Our conversation today will dig in to the potential business outcomes as well as essential elements of the kinetic supply chain, including, listen up, a clean core for rapid supply network reconfiguration. And there's that reword in there, reconfiguration, reimagining, rethinking, rebuilding, remodeling, yes, intelligent digital solutions to sense demand shifts, which could be, I think, minute by minute, nanosecond by nanosecond and supply disruptions, which are all around us, cloud technology for building scalable solutions. You want to scale because you think business is going to get better and it will, but you got to be ready. And an extended ecosystem of capabilities to sustain business value and support innovation. Yes, we still talk about innovation. We are going to speak today. I want you all for the video to raise your hand. Deloitte Sabit Matthews. Sabit, welcome back. You've been on with me before. So happy to see you. Jagjeet Singh, also a returning guest. There's Jagjeet. And Brent Griffith is our newcomer. Brent, so happy to have you in the family here today. We're going to ask them for their insights on the trends, the technologies, and leading practices, plus real-world success stories. And we're looking for success stories in supply chain today, believe me, on our topic today. As I said in the opening, the Kinetic Enterprise Conquering Disruption with the Built to Evolve supply chain. I'm Bonnie D in the house. Let's go around the table and see who our guests are. Sabit Matthew, I'm putting you on speaker view first. Welcome back. Hey, thank you, Bonnie. Um, Hi, good morning, everybody. Uh, This is Sabit Matthew. I'm a managing director with Deloitte's uh, SAP practice uh, based out of Chicago. Uh, In the marketplace, I uh, work with our clients and and organization on crafting supply chain process and technology transformations. Uh, really excited to be on the show this morning and and talk about kinetic supply chain, which is top of mind, as Bonnie said, for for everybody out there. So thank you for having me and look forward looking forward to this session. Jagji, talk to us. I've been driving innovation and supply chain profitability um, for many many 
years now with with many organizations. I also drive the strategy for kinetic supply chain internally and externally for Deloitte. Have been um, with the firm for eleven plus years and have been helping my uh, clients and organizations with transformation uh, in supply chain for almost sixteen plus years. I'm passionate about this topic because. Agility and flexibility are extremely important in the post-pandemic world. A few reasons for that are there are new risks that have emerged because of unpredictable border restrictions. There are climatic events that are disrupting the supply chain. And there is a human phenomena that has emerged after the pandemic. The trust is eroding between organizations, between people which is driving down an extremely high need for visibility and predictability. Thank you for having me here today. Thank you very much. Rand, please introduce yourself, our newcomer. Go ahead. Thank you very much, Bonnie. Good morning, everyone. And Bonnie, thank you for having me on the show here this morning. I am a managing director in our supply chain practice based out of our Minneapolis office. Um, My focus here within the firm is uh, working with organizations to help them design their, their global supply chains, deploy those global supply chains, enable them through process, policy, operating model, and technology, and then improve those supply chains through leveraging advanced analytics to really proactively identify where there could be issues in the supply chain and update the supply chains to, to address those. My passion for this topic really started early in my career. Um, there have been a lot of steps on my, my journey to where I am today, but uh, the, my formative a professional experience was early in my career. I had the opportunity to work with a, a global med tech company as it was uh, bringing together and, and reimagining its global supply chain uh, after a, a significant merger. Um, had loved the work, loved the, the global nature of the work, loved the very tangible and results-focused nature of the work. And I would say those are the things that, that I still find very interesting about supply chain here today. So thank you for the opportunity to, to talk today. Sumit Matthew has sent us an opening quote from Tin Cup. The character is Roy Tin Cup McAvoy, played by the one and only Kevin Costner, explaining a golf shot he made to Don Johnson's character, David Sims, 1996 American romantic comedy and sports film. And here's the quote. When a defining moment comes along, you can do one of two things. Define the moment or let the moment define you. Sabit, talk to us. How would you pick this quote for our show today? Thank you, Bonnie. Uh, Tin Cup actually happens to be one of my uh, wife's uh, favorite movies. And so I was uh, strongly encouraged on a Friday evening uh, many years ago to watch the movie along with her. Uh, frankly, I, I kind of liked it too, uh, to be to be fair. <laughs> so anyways, th- that, that quote really stayed with me because it goes to the essence of what we are seeing today, right? I mean, today, if you open up any newspaper, go to any news website, you will absolutely find articles that talk about supply chain disruptions, challenges, port blockages, other kinds of problems that are really impacting the supply chain, right? And so now is the moment for for organizations to start thinking about how do you set up your supply chain to be nimble? How do you set it up to not only be able to handle a disruption, but actually put in efficient processes, technology, and 
try to be more more virtual and have the ability to rapidly reconfigure when when there's a disruption or an event and most importantly do all of this while delivering sustainable value right so to me that quote embodies the inflection point that we are at right now when now is the moment to transform the supply chain Thank you very much. Very interesting about letting the moment define you. And to beat, are a lot of manufacturers going to end up being defined by how they do or don't respond, react? And is it their fault to beat? It really, if if your if your container ship is stuck in a harbor somewhere, is it your fault? Yes or no? What do you think? <laughs> it's not your fault, but perhaps the ability to sense that and be able to react to it and recover from that event is what you ought to focus on building, right? Thank you. Just wanted to get that clear so nobody feels too badly out there in our listening (laughs) audience. And again, I apologize for technical difficulties. Let's go around the table. Jagjeet, I'm looking at the quote you sent. This is a classic. Professor John Keating, played by the late great left us too soon, Robin Williams in the movie, Dead Poet Society, 1989 teen drama film. And I never thought it was really a teen drama film. It's just a really good drama film. And here is the quote. No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. Jagji, talk to us. How'd you pick this and what does it have to do with supply chain? Thank you, Bonnie. I stumbled upon this movie while I was just surfing to watch something on Netflix. And... um, I I happened to watch it for a while and I liked it, even though it's a classic film, very old school, school style. The reason this quote stayed with me is basically it inspires me. It inspires me to think because when you think, new ideas come to your um, come into your uh, head, and those new ideas are something that help you deal with disruptions that we are facing these days. It also inspires me to be wise with my words because those are the words that can have an impact on the world. And these these words are um, essentially things that drive strategy for organizations that drive um, uh, that drive processes that drive organizations to achieve goals and targets and all of those are communicated through words. And it also inspires me to have my own perspective and not just um, go with what everybody else is thinking or believing because when you try to have your own perspective, you look at things from a different angle. And when you look at things from a different angle, that's when innovations emerge. That's when you find ways to deal with these disruptions that we are facing today in supply chain. That's why this quote stayed with me and I've been inspired by me. Uh, I've been inspired by this quote for a long, long time. Thank you very much. It is indeed an inspirational quote, and a lot of people use it for a lot of circumstances. And it's always nice to remember Robin Williams through the words he said in movies. Let's go to Brent Griffith. Brent is thinking, is this how the show usually works? No, I've never done it on the phone, Brent. Brent has sent us a quote, another classic, and this is from the character who is the Grand Master of the Jedi Order, voiced and puppeteered by Frank Oz. And you all know I'm talking about Yoda. The movie is Star Wars Episode V. That's five, for those of you who don't know, Roman numerals, The Empire Strikes Back. 1980 American epic space opera film. I never thought in my lifetime, Brent, that we would have the words opera and space and epic next to each other describing a film based on a story by, of course, George Lucas. And here is the quote, do or do not. 
There is no try. I can't do a good Yoda impersonation. Brent, can you do Yoda for us, please, and then tell us how you picked the quote? I won't attempt to do Yoda, but uh, I would say this is one of my favorite all-time movies. Um, in fact, it is the movie that I have seen uh, rewatched more than any other movie, probably by an order of magnitude. Um, this quote, to me, really uh, speaks to supply chain on a couple of different levels. There's really two interpretations that I take away from this quote. Um, the first is what was intended in the movie you know, when uh, our hero is is offered this advice. You know, it's advice to really know himself, understand himself, and through self-awareness, have confidence in his ability to go and do. And that's good advice for everything, supply chain uh, as much as any, that uh, to be self-aware and then where justified, self-confident as a way of enabling achievement. There's a second uh, second interpretation to this quote that I think really speaks to supply chain and especially speaks to supply chain now, which is that supply chain is a field that's judged on results. When supply chains work, when they do, they are all but invisible. And the, the effort, the try that goes into supply chain largely goes unnoticed by many of the consumers of, of the goods, of the services that are provided by that supply chain. Um, when supply chains don't work, when they do not, as uh, you called out early, earlier, Bonnie, is, is the situation that we are finding ourselves in today, the effort that goes into supply chains are irrelevant, that uh, as supply chain practitioners, we're judged by what we do or by what we do not, not necessarily by what we try. Thank you very much. Very interesting, Brian. Appreciate that. Yes, they should be invisible. They should be part of the background. We should not have to have the term supply chain be part of our everyday parlance. We shouldn't be talking about it in the grocery store or in Lowe's where we're buying a new storm door. We shouldn't be talking about it when we're looking for a, a filter for our car. We shouldn't be talking about it with an auto, auto dealer who says, I don't have any new inventory. Do you want to sell what you're driving and I'll get you a good bicycle? We shouldn't be talking about that with anybody. Thank you, gentlemen, for the great quotes. Let's go to the roundtable part of the show. So, Beat, I'm starting with you, and you sent me a very packed, Statement number one, you're going to talk just very briefly about five trends, pivotal trends in supply chain. Just let me name them. Risk sensing, intelligent and virtual, talking about COVID, uh, disrupted portfolios. That's interesting. Value chain integration. And I think I missed one. There were four of them, not five. So go ahead, Sabit. Why don't you go ahead and briefly take us through these. And then what's going to happen, I will go to Jagjeet and ask you to Pick one or more of the trends, Jagjit. You've got to listen up carefully and agree or disagree with Subit. And then, Brent, I'll bring you in, and you can comment on the others if you want to do a tag team-style roundtable here. So, Subit, go ahead. Absolutely. And um, I, I do want to start off by saying, Bonnie, that these are trends that really started to emerge over the last four or five years. And then the pandemic served as an amplification sort of engine to kind of make all of these bubble up to the top, right? So when you think about risk sensing, supply chains traditionally have always been focused on cost efficiency, operational efficiency, uh, you know, um, um, efficiency of movement of goods, etc. While they've always been aware of risks, I think now there's a desire for supply chains to be risk sensing which actually means to be able to detect potential risk before they occur and be able to react to it. I think what we also observed during the pandemic is it really forced a lot of organizations to start figuring out 
how to execute their supply chain with uh, you know reduced amount of resources in a more virtual fashion and and that is here to stay right so supply chains are going to be forced to start thinking how to get more virtual and then build more intelligence into how they operate from a portfolio disruption standpoint i think uh, during covid uh, my family like everybody else got really comfortable uh, with ordering things and having them shipped to my door as opposed to going to a grocery store right and while i use that as an example what that's showing is that the traditional ways of selling the traditional ways of executing your supply chain are starting to get disrupted and and the change is here to stay right and then lastly is value chain integration over the last decade if i may you know with with supply chain starting to become more globally diverse what i think we all observe now is that any disruption anywhere in your value chain it could be your suppliers suppliers supplier that has a disruption and it has a direct impact on you right so how do you kind of look across the value chain and be able to to operate more efficiently Th- those are the four trends in in my mind that are pivotal Thank you very much. Really good conversation starters to be. We appreciate it. Jagjeet, I'm going to put you on speaker view. You can address all of them or any. Uh, and, of course, we want you to agree or disagree if there's anything you want to raise the bar on what to be. So be smiling. He told me it's okay if you disagree with him. Jagjeet, go ahead. I agree with everything that Subit mentioned. One thing that I would like to hone in on is that visibility through end tiers of the supply chain. i think it is critical it is uh, something that is where you see the disruptions a case in point one of our automobile manufacturers they uh, saw the these risks around semiconductor chip manufacturing and they got ahead of their immediate competitors by billions of dollars just because they sensed that risk and they planned for that risk by um by creating inventory of those semiconductors and buying them in advance and uh, that that put them ahead of their competitors when other auto manufacturers are facing disruptions because they did not sense those risks so this visibility through end tiers of supply chain is extremely extremely important the other thing i would also add is multiple is the keyword in supply chain and let me tell you what i mean by that historically it was very very cost efficient to source products from one manufacturer and consolidate your manufacturing consolidate your distribution and then focus on last mile delivery what this pandemic exposed is that single source of uh, your product single source of your services is not viable anymore you need to have multiple sources of your uh, products you need to have multiple sources of your components raw materials ingredients that you use otherwise you are liable to disruption you are that is it, it's it's not a question of if disruption will happen it's a question of when it will happen the other thing um, is multiple channels of distribution so subit touched on it briefly that a lot of people got comfortable with ordering online and that's when a lot of retailers realize that they don't have capabilities tool wise organization wise processes wise 
to be able to service your customers uh, in in an online uh, in a, in an online channel. And there are other things like food service versus retail. So there are uh, a lot of clients in consumer, a lot of organizations in consumer industry that were um, that were very very focused on distributing through restaurants, and restaurants closed in pandemic. And that exposed their weakness in distributing products to the customers because uh, they had to stand up these retail distribution channels overnight. There were SWAT teams put together to stand up these distribution channels. Another uh, example of multiple is multiple types of storages. So a lot, a lot of our supply chain uh, organizations, uh, they were relying on third-party driven logistics warehouses, so the, which were, they were paying for their services because it was economical. Uh, Storing story in those warehouses was something that, were, um, that was cost efficient and they, that was their core competency. Now, now organizations are looking towards different types of storage methods on demand, for example. If your demand suddenly picks up, you need to manufacture or produce those things or buy those things in advance and you need place to store them to service those customers when your demand picks up. And to, to store them, you need to have on-demand storage facilities. Sometimes they are re resorting to rented storage facilities, the seasonal ones. Those are the multiple is a keyword in supply chain these days because multiple is the way to spread your risk, to manage your risk. And that's, that's what we are seeing in supply chain these days. Thank you very much. Managing risk and spreading risk, very, very important. Brent Griffith, talk to us. What do you think? Agree or disagree with anything Subit said and or Jagjeet added? Brent, you're up. Yeah, so, so I would magnify on the points that, uh, that Subit made around both value chain integration and risk sensing and highlight that those actually need to run both ways. So it's not merely an organization looking down through its supply chain and understanding its suppliers and potential risks that emerge in the supply base, but also looking up through the supply chain to understand how the goods and services that, uh, that a given organization is producing are being used in the market as well. So a good case study of that that I've seen over the course of the last year and a half, two years, is in the life sciences industry. Um, where we actually saw in some segments of that industry dual shocks that uh, as, as COVID spread around the world, there's a tremendous need for additional healthcare and life sciences services. In fact, a, a whole industry around vaccine development, production, distribution was really stood up globally overnight that required uh, large additional quantities to pre be produced of everything from vaccines, to freezers, to vials, to syringes, um, at the same time that we were seeing COVID drive disruptions in supply markets and shutdowns in a number of regions around the world of manufacturing capacity. And one of the things that, that we saw um, uh, globally is that you had organizations at different places in the supply chain that did not understand that the, the goods and services that they were producing were actually critical to healthcare, were critical to the production of vaccines, the production of therapies that were being used to, uh, to fight disease. And so that when particular geographies went into shutdown, um, they shut down their operations as well, further disrupting the production of, uh, of life-saving therapies. 
And so one of the things, one of the ways that we've seen some of the, the tools that Subit highlighted around getting visibility into multiple nodes of the supply chain rolled out is to look not only downstream to understand where there are risks in the supply chain, but for organizations to look upstream and identify where are their products being used, how can they help mitigate disruptions for, for their customers and their customers' customers. So it's that extended end-to-end -end supply chain that it's important to, to give visibility to and to really understand and, and be able to sense where risks are emerging. Thank you very much, and Brand. It's good to have the life sciences perspective, which is something our listeners may not have expected us to talk about. We think of it in terms of hard goods and, and that kind of thing. So thank you very much for that. Sabit, anything you want to say back to your co-panelists about their comments on your trends? Sabit, you want to unmute? Uh, yes. <laughs> no, I, I, I think, uh, you know, I violently agree with everything that Jagjit and, and Brent said. And I think ultimately it all goes down to the fact that uh, I want to I want to repeat one thing that Jagjit said, right? It is not about if you will get disrupted. It is about when you will get disrupted and how do you handle that disruption. I think that's the bottom line around all of this. I think that's the case. That's absolutely true. And, and here I am <laughs> to be disrupted on my bandwidth today. <laughs> and, and I'm handling it the best I can for our listeners on Voice America. I've lost, lost my connection to Zoom and I've lost my connection to my speaker. So I'm on a phone and my panelists are real troopers just going along with this. So let's keep moving along. And I am looking at, Jagjeet, your statements you sent me. I'd like to go to statement number three. I put it in the chat, but I don't know if you saw it. So let me read it briefly. You say, digital assets built using artificial intelligence and Internet of Things technologies can support supply chain executives in proactively identifying supply chain risks before they can become issues. Let's talk about specific technologies, AI, IoT. Jagjeet, I'm putting you on speaker view, such as it is today. And then we will ask Brent. You're going to be sitting on the edge of your chair right now waiting to pounce on what Jagji says with an agree or disagree, and then Sabit will be third in this round. So go ahead, Jagji, you're up. Yeah, thank you, Bonnie. So supply chains today are complex, and what is driving those, that complexity are three things. Sophistication of the business model. So there are things like bonded warehouses, regional hubs because of taxation and other regions. There is personalization, which is essentially what, what it means is earlier we used to have personalization in consumer industry that you have a segment of one, you're trying to serve one customer at every time and personalizing your products for those. Now we are also seeing personalization in life science industry. There are customized treatments for patients. There are uh, drugs that are being specifically made for an individual of one. So the, 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 there, is a, there is a huge amount of personalization that is creating this complexity. Then there are governmental um, regulatory environments. So different countries, different geographies have different rules and compliances. And to meet all of these, um, supply chains have become extremely complex and sophisticated. Now, we talked about disruption. We talked about it's important to spread these risks and manage these risks. But in these complex supply chains and these uh, sophisticated um, supply chains, how do you manage risk? To manage risk, you need to supplement your supply chain executives, supply chain managers, and supply chain day-to-day -day doers 
with these intelligent technologies, with these um, machine learning based algorithms, so that you can segregate decisions into two categories, decisions that are routine and that can be automated with learning the patterns of behavior of these humans and where these are minor decisions that are not based looking at your strategy while keeping the time aside for the supply chain executives to focus on really important decisions. So important decisions such as if you have a new customer base, how do you serve that new customer base by reconfiguring your supply network within a matter of days, not months or not years? And intelligent technologies that can help you sense these risks before they become issues. Because sensing these risks and acting upon them before they become issues can mean millions of dollars gap between an organization and their direct competitors. Providing visibility, providing visibility to your contract manufacturers. A lot of times when these new customer bases emerge or you have to stand up new vaccine production facilities in a matter of days, you would have to rely on people who have been doing it for years, which means contract manufacturing. Now to rely on those people who have been doing it for years and relying on those contract manufacturers means you also need to have visibility to their capacity. You also need to have visibility to which ingredients you purchase and gave to those contract manufacturers. How do you enable that? You need to have cloud technologies. You need to have internal IoT based technologies to provide that visibility on a single platform that can help these executives focus their energy and time on making the important decisions while automating those that can be made by these bots and these machine learning algorithms that are learning from human behaviors. So you are amplifying the capability of these supply chain executives and managers multifold, giving them the capacity to reconfigure these uh, supply networks overnight, giving them ability to source from suppliers that you never thought it was possible because of logistical challenges and giving them capacity to service your customers from new locations um, and saving money in the process as well. Very interesting. Before I go to Brent, I have a question for you, Jake. Do these executives sleep anymore between trying to figure out how to work with the humans and the bots and the algorithms and the contract suppliers and where the ships are and where the delivery people are and where the people offloading the trucks or the boats are? Do they sleep anymore, Jake? What do you think? Yeah, so these bots are there to help these executives sleep. (laughs) Otherwise, they will continuously think about minor things and minor decisions which which these bots can help with them. They are like your digital twins who can help them manage these things really well uh, while you are focusing your uh, regular day and um, on important decisions and then have time to spend for your family and some leisure time as well. Thank you. Leisure time sounds good. Brent Griffith, jump in here. What do you think? Agree or disagree or all? Go ahead. So, so I'm going to go with all, agree and disagree. So I completely agree with, uh, with how Jagjeet described the, the automation that we're seeing within supply chain. And in fact, uh, borrowing a term from the automotive industry, uh, we're increasingly seeing this described as driverless supply chains putting in place tools and capabilities that that leverage machine learning in order to automate decision-making, automate routine activities. To Jagjit's point, allow executives to focus on the important things. 
Um, the, the area where I would disagree is I would say that we're seeing some transformative changes in supply chain right now that are really things that push beyond the capabilities of automation. Is that, that the, the machine learning and automation tools are outstanding at dealing with decisions where we have a body of experience to draw on. But some of the, the changes that are affecting supply chain now that are, are regulatory changes or anticipated regulatory changes that are driving organizations to, to move their supply chains to new areas of the world, um, some of the changes that, that are driving the need to stand up entirely new supply chains to deal with the, the customer base of one phenomena that Jagjeet highlighted are things where we really don't have the experience base to, to train our, our AI and our machine learning tools to go and automate and manage. And so that increasingly executives need to focus their time and attention on reimagining what their supply chains need to look like, and that those still are decisions that uh, that cannot be automated, but that where, where executives do need to spend their time and spend their focus. Thank you. I like that and all. I appreciated that, friend. Subi, join us. What do you think? A lot to talk about. You're up. Yeah. So I I agree with everything actually that's been said so far by both Zigzith and and Brand, but. To me, right, I, I maybe look at it ever so slightly differently, right? So when we talk about, um, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, all of these capabilities, to me, what we're really trying to solve for is bring a certain degree of a, of a consumer-grade experience into a supply chain professional's life, right? And, and what I really mean by that is when you look at any of the major supply chain functions, planning, procurement, uh, you know, logistics, et cetera, there is a certain set of decision-making and issues that can absolutely be resolved by using, you know, patterns, body of knowledge, having the bots, the machines drive some of those decisions, right? What that really does is it frees up mind share to be able to focus on some of the things that Brent was referring to, right? Which is how do you deal with really unique exceptions or situations for which there isn't a pattern or a body of experience that you can lean into, right? So to me, it's all about how do you how do you automate what can be automated and free up mind share and capacity to focus on the disruptions and the transformative opportunities ahead of you. That's the lens I'd put on it. Thank you very much. Let's go back to Jagjeet. Jagjeet, what do you say back to your co-panelists? Anything you want to comment back on the agree, the disagree, the around the block on some of these? Go ahead. I would partially agree with what Subit and Brent said. And the reason I say partially is uh, when we think about what are the decisions that can be automated versus what are the decisions that cannot be. Um, in the context of one organization, we can come up with a set of decisions that shouldn't be automated or that shouldn't be um, left for machines to decide. Completely agree with that. But when executives make those decisions, the first question they ask, has it been done somewhere else? Meaning, has it been done in another country? Has it been done in another organization? It's a matter of expanding the lens of these technologies to not just one organization, but to a whole industry, 
and then expanding it not just to one country but to a global level that's when you build in more and more intelligence and it it doesn't mean that we are taking away the work of these executives from them that's not the intent the intent is freeing up the time to think beyond because when you are thinking just about your organization about your industry about your country you're not thinking about space right so there are there are opportunities outside of the direct sphere of influence of these executives which can be freed up by building this body of knowledge more and more and let them think outside of what is possible and what we are experienced with today because then only we can uh, make that leap of staying one step ahead of these things that can be automated with the ai and cloud and all of that when we are thinking beyond what we can see today and what we have experienced with today and that's why i said partially agree because if we just limit our thinking to one organization one industry that's how we think about it we have to expand our lens Thank you very much, and thank you for the good conversation starter, Jagjeet, and thank you to uh, Subit and Brent for making it so engaging. We love when everybody agrees, but it's a lot more fun and interesting when we get a partial disagreement or a partial agreement and we raise the bar. So thank you, and then Jagjeet, for you to say you partially agree with them, that's even better. Thank you very much. Brent has been waiting so patiently to be able to lead one of these conversation rounds, and I've picked statement number three along with Brent. I'm going to read it, and this is something we've already talked about. Let's do a deeper dive. Brent says, a key differentiator of resilient supply chains is the ability to use the wealth data available to them to proactively identify demand shifts and flex to address them. I think that encapsulates so much of what we're talking about today. Brent, let's do a dive into this, and then we'll go around the table and see what your co-panelists say. Go ahead, Brent. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Bonnie. And as you know, this is really, it's a deeper dive. It's really how some of the things that both Subit and Jagjeet have talked about get put into effect, and that's through through effective use of data. Um, My observation is that uh, supply chain is really one of the great reservoirs of unstructured data that exists in most organizations, forecasts, demand plans, supply plans, uh, purchase orders, invoices, bills of material, bills of lading. There's a wealth of information that organizations have access to, um, but traditionally it's existed in disparate systems, in disparate formats, often in free text fields in those solutions um, in a way that organizations really can't get access to it or can't use it. Um, and in fact, over my career, I've been involved uh, more times than I would like to admit in, in being brought into to places where there has been a major supply disruption and helping organizations figure out how to address that major supply disruption. Um, invariably, in those cases, someone observes that we really should have seen this coming, that there were early warning signs, whether that was quality issues, whether that was ability to deliver by a particular supplier, uh, whether that was a supplier that, that was demanding early payment, um, showing signs of, of early financial distress. But those signals from the, from the supply chain ended up getting lost in the noise because there was nobody who was positioned to get visibility to all the different data sources and knit them together and understand um, where there, there was a potential disruption brewing in the supply chain. 
so one of the, the things that we have really seen enable a lot of the things that Subit and Jake G talked about is the ability to go in, look at that unstructured data, turn it into structured data through the, the use of intelligent content and character recognition technologies, and then knit that together in a way that, that machine learning can then be applied against it to start to identify and pull out a dashboard of early warning signs around issues that may be emerging in the supply chain or pull out and identify things that may be pointing towards a, a change in the demand trend that exists uh, for a particular good or service so that the organization can practically position itself to address it. And so that as you think about uh, how you leverage AI or how you leverage machine learning in order to drive some of the, the driverless organization, driverless supply chain techniques, it really needs to start with understanding how to get access to that wealth of data and turn that wealth of data into a wealth of information. Very, very interesting comments, uh, Brent. I'm, I'm thinking as you're speaking that there might have been a complacency over the years. Yeah, supply chain. Yeah, we're on it. Yeah, we got our warehouse. Yeah, we have a little bit of IoT. Yeah, we're learning about edge computing. Yeah, we've got this, we've got that. And then the pandemic hit. There are people who say it was predicted, people who say it wasn't. But the point is, it was a wake-up call, wasn't it, Brent, that you, you've got that data there. What are you going to do about it? it, it was it a wake-up call for companies? Did they realize that they had the ability to be more flexible? What do you think? It, it was a wake-up call. I think it was also really a drive for organizations to invest in understanding how to use that data. Um, in many cases, the, the information that would have allowed them to predict or get out in front, while technically available to them, you know, existed in their organization, it was not truly available as information to anyone. Nobody had that ability to pull it all together. And so it's been a wake-up call for organizations to go out and develop that capability. Thank you. That's what I was getting at. So nobody can have any, any guilt on uh, we didn't do it because it's we, we didn't do it. We didn't have the tools. Let's go around. The t I just I hope I got gave people the opportunity to sleep a little more soundly now who are listening. Let's go around the table. Subit, you are virtually sitting next to Mr. Griffith right now, whether you know it. I'm putting you on speaker view. Please comment, agree or disagree. A lot to talk about. Go ahead, Subit. Thank you, Bonnie. And I, I, I want to add to what, what Brent was, uh, was talking about, right? So if you look at supply chains 10 years ago, uh, People wanted to have access to the information, but the information wasn't always available, right? What we've seen in the in the in the recent years is you look across the value chain, all of your value chain partners are more than happy to provide information to you. Whether it's your transportation carrier that is that is that is uh, you know okay sharing events with you, you know delays, uh, you know how things are moving whether it's your supplier that wants to share with you collaboratively, work on forecasts, et cetera. There's a whole body of external data that is available from, you know, governmental sources, news sources, uh, that can that has an influence on your supply chain, right? I think we're, we're slowly starting to move into this mode where there is a whole lot of data available. How do you pass through this data to figure out what is relevant to your supply chain and be able to convert that data into information, which then gives you the analytical insights, which then your machine learning platforms can act on. 
that to me is is the is the uh, I don't want to say holy grail because that makes it sound very ominous, but uh, you know that that's the next big thing that <laughs> supply chains ought to be ought to be focusing on. Uh, it, it, it's it's there. It's about how you mine the information and use it. Thank you. Very interesting points there, Jagdish. Join us. What do you think? I, I on this one, I fully agree with Brent and Subed because data is the new oil in in the future of supply chain. And why I say that is, and pandemic kind of shined the light on this as well a little bit. Uh, I mean, supply chain organizations they always used to think external data. It's a uh, prerogative of the customer service organizations. That's where they use external data to read on customer trends and all of those things. But we we are supply chain. I don't think we need external data. We will manage with the data that is available within our own organization. Now, what pandemic sh- shine the light on is if you don't read that external data on geopolitical events or climatic events or border restrictions that came with this uh, pandemic, then you are not going to be able to function in the supply chain. And that mining that external data, combining it with the internal data of an organization to gather intelligence out of it that can help you make the right decisions is the key going forward. And that's what pandemic exposed. Um, the organizations are more aware of it now. What they are also realizing at the same time is to mine that data and to combine it with their own internal data, they need to modernize their own internal tools and platforms now. Because unless they have more modernized capabilities uh, internally and their people are trained to use that data, there are processes in place in the organization to combine that external intelligence with internal intelligence they are not going to be able to be successful and stay ahead of their competitors. And that's what our organizations are realizing, which is driving a lot of this investment in um, modernizing their core uh, business platforms. It is driving a lot of investment in upskilling and training their um, executives, managers in supply chain. It is driving a lot of investment in machine learning, artificial intelligence to be able to mine that data and use it as information that can help them make the right decisions going forward. Thank you very much. Brent, I'm going to let you wrap this one up quickly. We've got about two and a half minutes left here. And Sabita, I wanted to get one more topic in, but I don't think we have time. Mm-hmm. Brent, anything you want to say back to Jagjeet and or Subit? Absolutely. So I largely agree with everything that Subit and Jagjeet said. Uh, in the interest of saying interesting, I'm going to pick the one comment that I disagree with and uh, and focus on that. Uh, and that was, was a comment that Subit made around our value chain partners being willing to share that data and creating to that wealth of available data. That is actually one of the challenges that I'm seeing today is that, as Jagjeet called out, data has become the new oil, the new currency. And in many cases, organizations are seeing the data that exists around their own internal supply chain as proprietary information, as something that gives them a competitive advantage in the market and something to be to be traded for value as opposed to simply be shared. And while there is a wealth of data out there, um, it often involves negotiations to get access to. Um, and there are some regions of the world or, or some areas where data is not as, as available or as prevalent as we would like. And that as we look ahead to really fully realizing 
the capabilities of some of the tools that we've talked about, that, that data challenge, how we get access to that data, both technically mining it within our organization, as well as legally, contractually, uh, navigating regulations that exist around the world around the, the limit, the sharing and use of data you know, is one of the, one of the challenges that uh, as supply chains we need to overcome. Thank you. I have a quick prediction question for all of you. It's a yes or no answer because we have about a minute to wrap up here. So we'll start with Sabith, then Jagjeet, and then Brent. One year from today, if we met again on the show, and I certainly hope we will, uh, the question is, will we still be talking about supply chain disruptions and the need to access that data, to process that data, to have the ability for supply chain executives to sleep at night finally? Yes or no? Will we still be talking about it in the same way? Sabith, yes or no? Uh, yes, with a few more adages added into it, but yes. <laughs> oh, Jagjeet, what about you? Yes or no? Yes, absolutely, because I just read a climate report called Countdown that came up, and that clearly shows how climatic events are going to impact. It is going to be multiple magnified than pandemic that we are seeing today. Thank you. Brent, one word, yes or no? Yeah, and yes, but just as Jagjeet said, yes and climate, I would say yes and diversity and equity is the other supply chain trend that we talked about today. Thank you so much. We have to wrap this up. It's been wonderful speaking with all of you, <laughs> despite bandwidth issues. I'm so happy we stayed here together. Interesting topic. Thank you, Sabit Matthew. Appreciate all of your input. Jagjeet Singh, always nice to see you. Brent Griffith, welcome to the family. We're happy to have you here on the Kinetic Enterprise. Hello to as has been. Flores, who is our showrunner, and a hello to Brandy Boyce. I'll be meeting soon, who is the new marketing director at Deloitte. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for the Kinetic Enterprise. Have a great day. And thank you to our engineer, Aaron Keller at Voice America Business. Bye-bye. Everybody wave. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Be sure to join host Bonnie D. Graham next Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Deloitte can help you reimagine everything in order to get the most out of your SAP investments and position your business for tomorrow's demands. Learn more at Deloitte.com SAP. This program is copyright Deloitte Development, LLC. All rights reserved.